This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Policy Genius. If you've been putting off life insurance or want to make sure the insurance you have is right for you, check out PolicyGenius.com. Zero hassle, zero sales pressure, and the quotes are completely free. Save up to 40% just by comparing policies at PolicyGenius.com. Today's show is also sponsored by Beachbody On Demand. Access hundreds of workouts from P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, and more. All of your devices for free. That's on all of your devices for free. Just text the word Bad Christian to 303030 for your free access today. Again, text Bad Christian, all one word, to 303030 today. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. When an atheist walks up and you just get them saved, drop the beat. How many atheists out there listening today are worried about where they're going to go when they die? <laughs> it's the Bad Christian Podcast. Don't worry, we're the- not going to save you. I know. They don't care. They think they're in the ground. The atheists are the least worried about going to hell. They I don't, know. They're not worried about that. They want I, to I'm be in worm a, food. I'm in a really bad mood right now. Yeah, I know. I, I can tell you guys why. Oh, so Matt, I'm starting to get Ryan's on your family little... steakhouse was out of peach cobbler. you really are making no me laugh. Swirl left at the buffet ice cream machine. Yeah. Got to the damn buffet. <laughs> <laughs> they say you can have all you can eat. It ain't true. <laughs> to- Toby, kind of an automatic laugh now is. Your jokes about my big house. <laughs> I, I took a picture of myself just kind of making fun of all the uh, the school pictures of kids going away, and I took a picture of myself and put it on Facebook, and Toby said, is that, is that your third or sixth garage behind you or something like that? No, but seriously, Matt, I'm actually starting to get on your down with school bandwagon, Uh-oh, so check this out. Uh-oh. We have the whole world going Damn, with school, light speed educational into anarchist. Te- well, check it out. We have a, a whole world that's going light speed into technological advances, computers, uh-huh. efficiency. Um, the world's headed towards computers, man. <laughs> and so, so <laughs> here's schools should be on the very forefront of exposing our children to that. They should have systems that allow for technological ease and, mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I filled out paperwork last night with Priscilla and we're talking there was one sheet where I had to put my my kid's name on both sides I had two sheets to fill out for each student writing down the same emergency contacts because they're two different forms one of them is a medical form needs emergency contacts the other one's a general form they need Mm -hmm. emergency contacts and so here I am filling out the same stuff over and over and over, and I have four kids. Like, whatever happened, I mean, it seems kind of easy for me to be able to go on the computer and for Charleston County School District have one entry of all my information, type in all my kids, do a drop-down of Mm -hmm. what school they go to, have all the emergency contacts, boom. Make matters worse, I do this every single year. Mm -hmm. So they ask for the same information Every single year. Like, it's just like schools are at a very primitive place. And I tell you this, mister, if that's what's going on 
with the office work. What uh. in the hell is going on in those classrooms? Oh. You tell me. Wait, I, what are, what I, are I they doing? I don't have any kids in school or public school. You have four, so I think you might know what's going on. So I can tell you what I, what I think is going on, but I don't have any real experience. And what are they doing? Teaching the kids how to count on their fingers? No, they're for crying not, out loud. They're, they're, the only thing they're doing over there is teaching your kids to conform. That's about it. I mean, oh, they're just trying to keep snap. them under control. Someone's not, a conspiratist nope, theory, nope, theory nope, person. No, nope. yes, you are. Maybe you no, should have had not. just two kids. Yeah, you should have had less I, kids. Yeah, is a I mean, bit of my that, advice. I think it's your fault. I mean, well, you, I tell, you, you had to regret the last two. Yeah. Right. Well, it was just all the all the menstruation everywhere. There's bound oh, to be gosh. four kids that no, come you, out of it. Please say you were trying to say administration. Administ- what did you say about administration? <laughs> administration. Anyway, the school <laughs> administrators <laughs> are bad. I agree with you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Administration <laughs> is bad. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell I'll tell you another weird experience that I had. Well, well I mean, seriously, let's let's what camp we, out on this what? for a second. Let's I was camp say, out. Did we close up that yeah. one. The education yeah. system sucks because you have to fill up four permission slips. Okay, I'm well, serious though. This is this is. <laughs> listen, listen, this is even at the doctor's office, for crying out loud. Of this, all the professional fields, we should kind of be able to pin, depend on the medical field to be on no, the edge of technology, see, way, and they make you no, fill no, out no, the no, same no, no, paperwork, too. You, you've, t- you've brought in some really bad assumption that education and medical would be on the forefront of something technological. <laughs> that's not how they work. That's just not... That's, that's, right. actually that's not where I even, started wrong. No, I'm not, I'm not even being mean. I'm just saying that's not a good assumption at all. I mean, it's just... Isn't no. That's just. Not I, how said they they well, I said they should. I said they should. Should. That's well, like saying everybody ought to act right. I mean, it just is no nothing to <laughs> well, it. Well, I mean, hey, one thing here though is that is not the school or the hospital's fault necessarily. The problem is they have to cover every possible base and have all those all that information everywhere in case you try to sue them. It's it's more a legal thing, and if they if they don't do that, you could come back and go, hey, they didn't even take my kid's information, and and she got a, her knee cut. They didn't even call us, and well, how is saying they should them. have? You, you could be able to fill that out online, but none of that still has to do with the children's part of the education. But the problem with those systems, as I as I see them, is they're kind of like unbelievably technologically advanced super systems for the late 1800s and they were unbelievable at that time of disseminating information being a network you know disseminating information having people get together and learn stuff in groups I mean it was was unbelievable as they were designed at the time before they were you know they've been outdated for like more than 100 years or so but they were good at that time we just aren't able to change our big systems in place they're just not built that way so the same paperwork thing applies when you go to I mean, you would think we'd be a little bit closer to Star Trek where they would scan you or diagnose you or something, but you go in for a physical once every two years or every year, and they ask you 10,000 questions on pieces of paper, that ask the, the, and the questions are all along the lines of this. Are you healthy? And you turn that into them at the end right. of the physical, and then the doctor reads it and goes, hmm, looks like you have some health problems, or it looks like you're good based right. on what you wrote down on the piece of paper she handed you. That's right. that's what your physical, most of your physical is that, and that's, we don't have another system. We don't have a better, we don't have better technology than that. Even if you look at a, uh, what, you know, even if you start looking at the ultrasounds and stuff like that, it's like, how obvious would it be that that would be something that could be hooked to an ipad with a cool looking pen and you could just do it unli- i mean if you even look at the machines of the ultrasounds that sound super high tech they look pretty old to me they don't look that crazy and they're very expensive and it's all it's a big it's a big system and systems are hard to change the government's that way which is in you know mainly involved in health care and 
education and the government is administration is the part of the education system you're having a problem with and it's the same thing it's a giant system it's not flexible it's not adaptable there's a lot of red tape there's a lot of uh what is the word administration or menstruation i can't tell there's a lot of menstruation in the in in big systems like that <laughs> so and, much right so uh th- those are the, those are the tape. problems i mean there's a lot of red <laughs> Pardon the pun, red tape, but that, but that's what it is. It's not that they don't care, or don't want to do better, or whatever. The training for for physicians is 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 like a statistical, like they're acting like a piece of artificial intelligence. Like artificial intelligence would be, would be better because you could update it. But your your doctor is acting like a piece of artificial intelligence that weighs statistics and does procedures and runs programs over and over and over again. And that is the best way to get humans to do that without making a bunch of mistakes and all this stuff. It is is a reasonable idea. But if you, let's just say if it was more technologically based and you're, there was artificial intelligence or YouTube or other methods of education, they could simply be updated. But you can't send your doctor back for retraining everything. I mean, they, you know, they're always going to be behind. It's always it's just that's the way it is. It's not I'm not it's not conspiratorial or anything. It's just a slightly ineffective behind the times situation. Systems are too big. There's nothing you could do about that. It's sad. And I don't think the school's the best place for a kid, in my opinion. I don't think they belong. I don't want my kids to even go to school. I don't have anything else worked out, so they probably will go. But it's just the way it is. I guess school might be just the – that's the exact reason why you think a lot of people just go to schools because they're just not really – What else you are you going to do? Well, that's what I'm saying. You don't have time to think about it right. or do it or you can't afford it. And you made this point before, which is really true. No matter what, you're going to pay for that school. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're, you're going to pay for it, for, right. Right, right, it's about ten thousand dollars a year, by the way. So you think about going yeah. to private school. You say, "Oh, I can't send my kid to private school. It would cost ten thousand dollars a year or more uh, to send my kid there." Well, so does public school. When you take those numbers of what the taxpayers right. pay in per school per kid, and the average is out something like ten thousand dollars a year. The great news is you already paid for it. So, right. <laughs> so you better use it as, as babysitting, and then hopefully they don't do a whole lot of damage to your kid. I mean, that's the the most benevolent view I have of school. I don't want my kid in it. I don't think they belong in. I don't think it's good for them. I'll feel bad every minute that they're there. That like they're I'm letting them down. That's how I will feel the whole time <laughs> my kids are in school. But that's what I'm probably gonna do. I saw the movie Chef last night, the John Favreau movie. Have you seen? Oh that yeah, movie? I love that movie. That kid that's- doing that trip with in that food truck. On doing that, when he when this talking about going back to school, when he got to the end of that thing, I was just like, oh, how sad that is. Like, absolutely, right. I'd rather have my ten year old working in a food truck than I would at school any day. Just a hundred percent. I wish you could do. Right. I wish my kid could do that for three months in a food truck, then an auto mechanic shop, then a computer place, then work at my office, then go to. I, that's all I wish they would ever do is do real stuff with people. You might want to call it child labor and pay low wage. I would let a, my kid do it for free. No wage. Just let my kid work at your auto body shop, please, instead of be at fourth grade. That's what I think, but that, I'm not going to do that, of course. I mean, I mean, we've talked about this before. I actually think that is a real possibility, and here's what I was thinking. I was thinking about this, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Because here's one thing you're right. Like, I just love my kids so much, and then when I drop them off at school, I just think, oh, I'm not there. That's right. I'm not a part of this. I don't. I, I try to get them to tell me some about it, but they don't tell me that much, and so there's a huge chunk of day where my kids aren't around, which is great, yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, it's a little worrisome, but I was thinking, with the, with the rise of like uh, ride-sharing companies or using your own stuff or Airbnb or whatever, 
You might be right. Why Why wouldn't there be a mechanic that goes, hey, if you fill out this form and this form so you can't sue me if you can cut your <laughs> finger off here, uh, if you pay me pay me $100 a week and you can come in here every day and watch us and learn. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, and then make more money. I'm not saying we have necessarily a, whole, uh, a 10-year-old right. pulling a transmission necessarily, but... Uh, you get right. the you get the idea is what I'm saying. I'm you just can saying. go you can go shadow the manager at Walmart, mm. pay him one hundred dollars a week, and he'll show you. Hey, this is what I do. This is oh, I don't want to do that. And then you would not like you could do it at all over. And maybe that would be really cool. Like, what if somebody set up a program where well, you went to all of them and you were like, Nah, I just don't like mechanic. Well, I don't want to be a mechanic. There's a big problems with that. that that's that's ideal for me. But obviously, there's an infinite amount of problems. There's not enough placement. You couldn't trust the people with your kids to not molest them. All that. I mean, you know, there, it's that's dangerous. True. There's lawsuits. It's hard to. If you ever had a ten year old, if my ten year old, if I don't have one, but if one came in here to my office, they would probably be more of an annoyance than a help. That's a problem. That's true. The truth about a kid that drives me crazy is, I noticed this about my family. They will take one hundred percent of your time and energy gladly, and it's good for them. So I'm already just by the fact that I have a wife and two kids, I'm already splitting my time. Not to mention have a job, and I sometimes I just want to like sit down for a minute. So I already am shortchanging what their potential learning. The more, if I was engaged with my daughter for eight hours a day on stuff, it would be great for her. So I'm limiting her potential by not doing that just because I have two kids. So if you want to look at kids as these unbelievable potential machines, which they are, it's just, you know, it's almost sad all the opportunities you miss to develop your kids. If you really think about it, the only way to get a kid the education that would be ideal would be one a whole person's life dedicated to that one kid <laughs> like that you right. can, even after you divide it after that you're losing somewhat of potential but a really smart hardworking person whose whole day is dedicated on child development of about one kid that actually would be ideal that's it, it, we're coming up short of that one and it's one. just a matter of how short it is, you know, right. kind of things. Because, of course, I could spend all the whole day educating. I mean, people would say homeschool or whatever. But, even, I mean, I'm not capable of doing that. I'm not going to do that probably. Um, but there's a movement called unschooling, which is, you know, similar to that. But still, it's closer to homeschooling. And I don't have time for it. And I'm not a good enough dad to do it. And, you know, so she'll probably have to go to some school. But I think it's easier to look at school like prison. It's, it's basically a prison, but not as bad. I mean, everything about it is the same, and that's what you need. The helpful analogy to me of school is prison because everything about it is the same, only not as bad. You have to have order and control. <laughs> there has to be schedules. There has to be the warden or principal. You have to eat at this. It's the cafeteria. So everything about it is similar except for you're not in trouble, and you're not a bad person inherently for being there, of course. But it's just a way that humans self-organize to control large populations with less uh, – you know what I mean? That's just that's how they have to be organized. So the consequences are my crazy little daughter who will have unbelievable amount of energy is going to be made to be in trouble because she can't sit still or wants to do something else and that's Matt, just Matt, so I sad. think you've missed the point though. I think you've missed the point. It's all about the parental paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> or that or, or that permission slip. That thing. damn paperwork yeah. is ruining America and our schools. So, yeah. Well, no you know, solution there. I'm just saying it's sad. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree to hey. disagree as, as, as big picture. <laughs> big picture. What do you mean, big picture? Well, <laughs> uh, just just like I, I would, I think I'd be able to go with a go to school for your first like five grades to get uh-huh. all the basics. Yeah, yeah. I say after third grade. Yeah, I say third grade. I would like to take George out of school by third grade if I could, if I had anything to do, but I don't. But that's what I would like. 
After yeah, she but, learns yeah, long I mean, division, uh, but you're okay, saying moving on. But you're saying it drives you crazy to think of her there. So that's only because of the behavioral sort of. Um, no, because you don't learn shit in school. You don't learn nothing ever. That's why. That's the reason I don't like school because it's it's one of the worst ways to learn. Is I what mean, I think. My I think kids the definitely most treacherous, useless form of learning is school. Not not the very basics though. My kids know. Yeah, it's, not, it's basic. A lot I said of, to third grade. A lot of basic math mm-hmm. because of their years as uh, not past third grade. Okay. It doesn't matter that much past third grade. I mean, think about well, it. I, the only it, thing the only thing is is past third grade you don't have like decimal and percentage and fraction conversions and all that stuff. And I think that's mm, pretty important. Mm, that's very important. I don't actually. I don't think that it is at all <laughs> in the sense that 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 you everybody that's good at that stuff is somebody that simply uses it, not somebody that learned it from their fourth grade teacher. I mean, they're, right, they're well, they, you're saying that these skills aren't learnable except for through teaching first of all versus experience, which is a crazy notion. I think teaching is one of the Worst forms of education. Learning. I don't have happen- time for my kids. I'm just, look, what am I going to do? It. No. Listen. Listen. All I'm saying is, in theory, to me, teaching is not. I mean, learning. Teaching is one of the least good ways of learning. Learning can happen unbelievable ways. Teaching is one form that I don't think is that great, and I, I think that's almost always true. Now that's an obnoxious statement. I'll well, let me teach you something there. right now. You, so almost like, everything you've learned wasn't because you were taught it by a teacher in a formal setting. That's nonsense. It's just, but Miss Miss White's was such an awesome teacher, though you don't, you don't know okay. her. I'm not talking about I, people. It's, I mean, I know this irritates people that <laughs> say, "But my teacher's good." Or I'm a teacher and I'm trying to do good. Of course you are. I'm just telling you, teaching isn't I, the best way for learning. It's Miss Brown in second grade stuff. taught me about the country Niger. <laughs> that's the only way I would know about it. So that is true. That's a, that's actually All right, true. Well, hey, I wouldn't I've, even know that I've, country existed. I've complained hey, we need enough to take about a the ad break here. Yeah, I was just going to say I've complained enough about technology, the lack of advancements in the medical and school professions. I want to complain about um, church and pastors, but I think we need to take a break. All right, right well, let now. me tell you about Policy Genius real quick, and then we can talk about another big mega idiot system. Oh, <laughs> oh Lord. All righty. Now, did you guys know that 35 million U.S. families have no life insurance at all? That's zero. They have nothing. And that's 30% of U.S. households. And here's another fact I'd like to throw out at you. Almost half of U.S. families would have trouble covering an emergency expense in excess of $400. So imagine if the primary earner died. Now, I know thinking about life insurance is not really a fun thing, and but for that reason that people are biased against even thinking about it, uh, it kind of creates a problem. Life insurance is something that you should have, uh, and we get it. It's, it can even be confusing. But one company is making things a lot easier, and that's PolicyGenius.com. So PolicyGenius.com is the place to go learn about life insurance, compare quotes from America's top providers, and save up to 40% on your policy. It sounds crazy, but this has never existed before, so think about it. Normally, you get in some place where you're getting a pressure sale for one certain policy by one agency kind of thing, and you can't sit through a million of those. It's quite painful. So in this case, this is great because you just go to a website, and you can either analyze the coverage you already have or look for a new policy, and you can shop between different providers and just get good information. So really, Policy Genius is the source for the, the information you need to get the insurance you need or to check the insurance you already have. And they don't just do life insurance. You can get health insurance. You can insure your pet. And if you don't need to do any of that... They'll tell you. They'll let you know that you don't. This isn't, isn't something for you. You don't need it. There's no pressure. There's not high pressure sales or or anything like that. It's not. It's no hassle at all. It's worth doing. 
you owe it to yourself and your family to check it out. So if you've been putting off life insurance or want to make sure the insurance you have is right for you, check out policygenius.com today. You can save up to 40% just by comparing policies. The quotes are free. There's no sales pressure and zero hassle. Policygenius.com. It's the life insurance for the 21st century. And so, sorry if I've offended any educators or education supporters. I'm speaking in big generalities. I don't have solutions for this. I'm just speaking of hyperbolically about frustrating things about school and education. You, if you don't I, know I, that, I don't want, and I, whatever. Also, I don't want to keep talking about school, but I do think you're right. Like, if you think about each kid is $10,000, it's about $1,000 a month, uh, you know, for each kid. I, I, more I see than that more with more summer teach- vacation. Yeah, no, no, I know, but what I'm saying is, uh, yeah, you're right. When you got to pay for childcare outside of that, I'm wondering like if more teachers are going to go, hey, I can just do this by myself and have a class of uh, 15 and make 150 thousand dollars a year. So you know, I mean, I know it wouldn't exactly it's play out that way, but I think to do that. You know what right? I mean? Well, I kind mean, of, really, yes. but, they, they but have that's what I'm Charter schools that, and things. That's but. the issue. If you wanted to say, hey, I'm not going to pay ten thousand dollars for school, you would go to jail. Yes. Now, now that's, that's the that, other thing that's right. crazy is there is a lot of people who care a ton about their kids and don't want them in school, the government can come take your kid away for that. If I just right. t- said that I'm committing my whole self, say I have enough money by then, to educating my daughter and this is the way I want to do it, she might get taken to Child Protective Services away right. from me. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. Crazy. That's possible. So, Yes, yeah, you can homeschool, but in a, it has to be their way, right. not your Even way. still, yeah, there's the things that I could do because I'm trying to educate and be involved with my kid that would lead to them taking her by force away from me. That's Here's possible. one thing I know for sure is that I used to be a school teacher and I am very glad that I don't have to have Georgia in my classroom and deal with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, I know because when she comes home with homework, I'm going to tell instructor, do not do it. And I don't care oh, what the Lord. consequences are because that's nonsense. I don't want her to sit still for eight hours and then come home and have to sit at the kitchen table for three more hours. That's I can't handle that. We're not doing yeah, that. That's true. I don't I'm care. With you, I'm not doing. We're I'm not doing you. that. It's wrong. I'm not with you. As I mean, you get. Never mind. Let's let's don't talk about it anymore. But um, so here's here's the deal. I I always have a hard time talking about people in public, but then when I I'm trying to avoid the but word. You teach. easily can talk talk about them behind their back. Yeah. Well, here, here's Public the thing: is I, I, yeah. I believe wholeheartedly that people that are public figures, it should be okay to talk about them in public. So I'm going to stretch myself to be true to that because I really do believe that. But then I'm always hesitant. So I want to talk about Perry Noble real quick, and mm. he's your a favorite. lot of people. A lot of people have heard that he's starting, I think, Second Chance Churches or Second Chance Church. He filed yep. for a nonprofit organization, and it got leaked, and it's on the internet well, and all that stuff. So the the thing that is just a little crazy to me, and I don't know how else to put it other than it almost seems like he's going through a crisis of some sort, and he's exposing himself for all of us to watch it. It's like, I don't understand. I mean, does it look like to you guys that he really just cannot stay out of the limelight or stay off the stage right. or stay away from influencing people? Well, see if I, can I mean, it really him. does. He's still making videos, and when he makes the videos, he says, eh, you know, 
I, I, I don't think it's as big as a deal as a lot of people are making out to be, but he does say stuff about New Spring and how maybe they didn't handle everything correctly, but it's like he cannot stay yeah, away he called out New Spring from influencing can, people. Can I give a quick overview in case anybody has missed yes. this? I a mean, lot of people may, might not know who this people is. not totally caught up on it. Perry Noble was the church planter and founder of New Spring Church in South Carolina that is I don't know what the stat is, yeah. but one of the biggest ones there is or was. One we had him the on the podcast. Fastest growing, yeah, biggest, fastest growing, all that stuff. We had him on the podcast a while back, a few months after. In which podcast? And really enjoyed having him on too. Yeah, it was. I it enjoyed was, it. I, I like the guy. Enjoyed talking to him, and that in itself was a bit of a fiasco. In that, uh, after we did the interview, which was really good, it seemed that they were that didn't want us to maybe put it up, so we had to go back and forth with them about whether or not to air the interview because they were uncomfortable with it, but we did, and they said it was okay, and it was, and everything. But one of the key points in that interview is Toby asked him, what are you struggling with? What are you dealing with? What stuff do you have going wrong in your life? You know, because that's just a very Toby question to ask, I suppose. To which he said, well, I have some some depression. That's he, Toby asked him, what sin do you deal with? And Toby said, he said, well, I have some depression and some struggles in that area I've always had to battle. And that's what he said. Now, that's a little bit weird in that he wasn't, it wasn't any kind of admission of sin. It was just talking about a struggle that he has and deals with. Right. Uh, but that was about three three months or just a few months before he was let go and fired um, from her, his job at New Spring, removed from his position for uh, alcoholism and I think some marital issues, as yeah. far as I understand it. So to me, that rubbed me the wrong way it, that our culture has that in it in the first place, that even when asked by Christians on something like the Bad Christian Podcast, where you're supposed to be able to talk about stuff, and everybody says, oh, we talk about stuff, and pastors do, and my Perry Noble can be real. Well, clearly, even when asked if you're dealing with anything, if it's alcoholism, which it clearly was at that moment, obviously that went through his brain, don't you think? And he said, not that. Yeah. Let's, let's do this other one. And I understand right. the impulse. I'd probably done the same thing if I was him. But that's, that's part of the background of Perry Noble. But he was removed. Then he went away for a while. Um, and, that, and then he came back and was doing some consulting work. Uh, he, he preached at Ferdix Church, which is, what's that called? Uh, you, Elevation. Elevation Church. And now he has filed to start a new church. He had a little spat with New Spring on a video that Joey referenced. And now he has filed papers to start a new church that he's founding, and I believe it's called Second Chance uh, Church yeah. kind of thing. And, and it's, it's crazy because... This goes back to, I want to say we have an, (laughs) Matt pointed out that this episode got more downloads than our actual interview with Perry Noble, but it's called Mega Church Clown Show, I think, with Perry Noble. And something that Toby said on there, I just thought was so key. And it was he, Toby watched a video of Perry Noble teaching at Elevation. And basically it was like this real moving experience. And Perry Noble says, but then God said, I'm not done with you yet. And Toby chimed in on the podcast, and you know, not with Perry Noble, but with the three of us, and said, "But that doesn't mean get back on stage and right. teach people and influence yeah. people." God said, "We're and not. I'm not done with you yet." And uh, and everybody else should have said, "But we're not ready for you yet." Right, right, right. It's just like I almost feel bad for the guy, and maybe maybe my eyes are in my mind is uh consuming this information through certain lenses maybe it's it's not it, maybe it's just me but it seems like pitiful like it really does it's like mm-hmm. this guy can't 
can't disappear for like a few years and just kind of stay away from everything. You're saying that's almost evidence in your mind of sickness or narcissistic personality disorder or something like that. Like, or, or I'll, I'll even, I'll even have his back a little bit, but I think maybe he truly believes that the church needs him. mm -hmm. Like his voice is super important and he's got to get out there. I think it's not, I don't think that's true. But yeah, no, I think that's what he believes. I, I think that it's not just this isn't just Perry Noble. This is a, any pastors that fall, they have to get back up because this is what they've done. They felt that bit of fame and power and maybe good that was done from it and they want that back. But the thing that bothers me is it it easily could be that the pulpit and being the pastor of a church is one of the biggest things that causes you to right. sin and hide and not be in unison with God. Like, it, it, this sounds, this is going to make me sound really spiritual and goofy. There have been times in my life uh, where I've walked into a room or I've met somebody or a friend came by and I felt almost like some kind of evil spirit or a bad, uh, maybe you would even say it's a bad vibe or something like that. When I'm watching some of the Perry Noble vibes, uh, videos or whatever, uh, because it's so intriguing to watch, I, I get a <laughs> sense of like, uh, there's a little bit of chaos. There's not like a relaxed uh, person trying to exactly. do the right thing. It's, it looks like somebody that is doing everything they can to get back what they lost. And that isn't coming back and helping people. That's about Perry Noble. That's about mm-hmm. Mark Driscoll. That's about these these dudes that have fallen to pieces and don't need to go back up yet because that is so dangerous to or, a congregation. Ever, maybe. I mean, why right. would you want somebody that isn't right yet doing that? Now, I be- totally believe in second chances. I do. Uh, I, you know, everybody listening here knows that we are super into football, and, and uh, I, I love the NFL, call it whatever. Michael Vick's a prime example. A guy that yeah, got caught right. up in drugs, uh, not drugs, got dog uh, fights and went to jail and totally came back. Is uh, remade his image. Uh, I always thought he's a great guy. Got caught up in something he shouldn't have been doing, hurting hurting animals, obviously. Uh, but really, ha- is a redemption story. And he was gone for a while, and then he came mm-hmm. back. And because he's talented and good, and now he's even like doing some, uh, you know, sports casting stuff and talking on air and, and stuff about sports. Like just a great story. And I, there isn't a chance. Perry Noble hasn't even been given the chance to redeem himself. Like outside of this, like it just constantly is right back working with counseling church leaders. He's doing leadership stuff. This is how you do leadership, leadership, leadership. This is how you do it. And I'm just like, wait a minute, dude, just chill. Like well, it, you yeah. can't, you can't get right back into it or else it's going to maybe happen again. Well, like, I would I say did, it's not even it's not even a period, a cool off period, or a whatever. It has nothing to do with that, or even a time limit, or has something to do with it. But it's actually a growth period, though. Yeah, it's actually though the the thing that that was went haywire in the first place seems to still be in place, which is self, you know, just a need for spotlight, spotlight right. and growth and power and fame. That's that's right. what what the alcoholism is probably a side effect of that is what I would say. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you agree? Right. So yeah, trying to deal with it. Yeah. The, yeah, for somebody like that to go so far, so fast, and fall super hard is more indicative of what he's like than with the particulars of how many beers he drank or got drunk. How many? I don't actually care about that right. so much. But we we do know, or you would say we don't know, but it does seem that those charismatic leaders that are prone to narcissism or power or whatever that is, that's the that's the sickness part, and that must 
seems like it must still be in place for somebody to only be sidelined for a minute and then be making power moves back up around. That that's the thing. That's the right. sickness in the first place. It's not alcohol. I mean, that's a, that's a symptom. So and the thing that okay, he's not, me is, he hasn't is, had a drop to drink since then. Okay, put him back in. No, that's that's not how that works. And and even if he never drinks again or whatever, like right. that doesn't mean you're ready to be back. And, and none with of us here whole, are saying he shouldn't be someday. One day he can totally. I'm okay with second chances. I, I like even the name of his church. I get it. I understand where he's coming from. But this quickly is troublesome to me. It yeah. just is. I, I mean, what? It, there's no. There's no. Uh, to me, imagine if it wasn't the pastor and it was just some member of a church. How quickly do they let you get back up? How quickly do they let you be a deacon again? How quickly do they let you uh, teach uh, the youth in Sunday school? You know the uh, iron. The, the irony. Toby, they might not. Is, they might kick you out, and you never get to do it again. Yeah. The irony about this conversation is we had this exact conversation with Perry Noble on the podcast about Mark Driscoll. And if I recall correctly, I think that he's, he used Peter as an example. Well, this is a guy that denied Christ three times. Christ forgave him, and he's right back at ministry. And I just think that, oh, that's, that's, that's a tough connection there because, first of all, uh, I guess the historians will have to chime in and say, I mean, h- how soon was the church birthed after that? I'd say it was a, a, a little while longer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's just like yeah. those sorts of quick correlations from the Bible, you, you can't just pull that stuff out of there. I mean, I, I just... And I don't I want don't... us to seem like like just great people that are just bashing this guy. I have... I have a bit of fame myself, and I have used alcohol for sure to deal with it. I've, there's been tons of tours where I drank too much. There's been tons of times where I didn't take care of myself, or uh, you know, l- looked at porn, uh, treated my mistreated my wife, all kinds of. I'm not a hero here. That's not what I'm saying. Like, oh, if he gets like that, that's not what any of us are saying. We are all fucked up. Like we really are. I want good for this guy. Like when he came on the podcast, I really liked him. At the end of the podcast, this is what's really funny. And we might as well go ahead and say it now. Uh, I think we probably have it anyway. But like at the end of that podcast, we were sitting there when when he hung up, and I was like, "Man, that guy was awesome." Like I, I re- like he he was smart, witty, funny. He crafted. He was a wordsmith a little bit and got around some things. I even thought that was kind of neat. All that stuff, and then literally. Two minutes, four, five minutes, six minutes after we get a call that they didn't even want to air that because we had talked about uh, money and he didn't want to talk. And I was just like, wait a minute. Was everything that he said, what, it made me second guess. And, yeah. I, I, it's, and the thing that I hate is, is church just a business and this is just a job? This guy's a hell of a CEO and he's just going to start another company because this one, but he mm-hmm. did bad in the stock market with this one and lost his shareholders. And so he's going to start another job and get new shareholders that buy into his product because he he is the product, and that's what is just devastating to me. Because it makes me think, man, is it all bullshit? Like, is church the thing that makes everybody go, uh, "This is God real?" Like, it sometimes it makes me feel that way when I see church is just so business, and it's just honestly a majority of a white man saying stuff and oh getting people fired up so they come and give their tithes. I mean, I don't even know. Sometimes that <laughs> really bums me out. Well, that's an okay feeling. I'll defend your right to feel that way because that's different than making a claim of what other people ought to do or this and that and the other stuff. That's all just logical, but everything you've said for the last 10 minutes is probably just an expression of how that makes you you know, just feel, which I thought was interesting, and I tweeted, retweeted 
uh, Rachel Held Evans yesterday who said something about like that that I thought really resonated, but she was talking about something different, but it really is true. She said, it feels like everything we're taught growing up about truth and morality has turned out to be BS. It was never about Jesus, only power. Now, she's talking about Trump and politics and the evangelical right. response there, but same thing. It's like, wait a second, yeah. I grew up in a place and a time where I was taught there are good guys and bad guys, and the closer you are to this specific religious tradition is good and the farther from it is bad and that includes morals it includes policy it includes the people there it includes everything these are the good and that's the bad and then you just at some point you you feel like i do today like wait is it all bullshit though like if you were telling like we had the claim on morality and now what is happening or we had the you know like what is it what is this kind of thing yeah i've I've definitely come to i've definitely come to grips you know, in the past couple of years, the fact that the majority of what I carried with me, the stuff that, uh, a lot of the stuff that attributed to depression, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, I mean, it's very freeing and it's very regretful. Like, none of it was right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was living in almost like a, a video game in my head of, I need to do these certain things if I don't do this during lunch period, then I need to ask for forgiveness and all this stuff. And it was a, a game mm-hmm. that I was helped to create, but I still created it. Like but it's it, just, but it's stuff's part, not true. But, the, but the, the bad part about that is that it was the underlying assumption that the people that you were listening to in the large systems, for lack of a better word, that there was an implicit trust or knowledge that they were correct. And then it was yeah. just up to you whether or not to play the game right or do it. When in right. fact... The, the underlying system itself may, may not ever have been for any other reason. Uh, it's like that scary thing, you know, it's just scary. Like, I don't believe it's conspiratorial. I believe almost everything that sounds conspiratorial is just an emergent phenomenon based on a bunch of semi-well-meaning people like you or I. It's just how it goes. But the system itself is set up to get you to just play the game. Like, that kind of is just an emergent phenomenon. And it turns out it didn't ha- necessarily... There was no... Uh, Wizard of Oz. It was just a puppet man. You know what I mean? It's like the Wizard of Oz yeah. or something. Like you thought at least behind here somewhere are the people that definitely know exactly what's right and wrong. And it's just my problem because I'm not quite there yet. But it turns out there's right. just other people making up the game and the system in the first place, which is scary. But nobody. I want to say something that's that could possibly get myself into some trouble. But before hey, before, yeah, you, before you do that, let me tell you what won't get you in trouble here. Beach body on demand. As you know, I travel all the time with our world-famous band, Emory, and it is hard to figure out how to work out. Um, Half the time, I mean, we don't really get hotels, and it's hard to find gyms, and gyms can be really expensive. Like, I'm talking, on our last tour, I tried to go to a few different gyms. They are going to charge me $20 just for a day visit. That is why Beach Body On Demand has been such a game changer for me. It's so cool. And and here's, I I had to ask myself a few questions. Did I want to lose weight and look better and feel better? Yes. Um, Was I preparing for like a specific event, like a wedding, vacation, or marathon? No. What I was preparing for, though, is I don't like it when I move around on stage and parts of my body go the opposite direction because they're big and a little flabby, if you know what I mean. Uh, (laughs) And one of the biggest things I want to do is improve my energy and my endurance and uh, just my overall well-being, and that's why Beachbody has been just so awesome. I can work out anywhere right from my phone. Seriously, all I have to do is go to my Beachbody On Demand app, 
tap it, and in seconds, I can be working out anywhere. And I mean, it's not just like silly, weird YouTube people showing you how to work out. It's the best people. I mean, seriously, they are the greatest, best people. They show you exactly the right way to work out, and they even... You can even customize it basically to your needs. Like if you can't do a certain thing, there's ways to get around that. If you're not quite strength level yet, they show you how to do it in different ways so that you can do the exercises, and that's what I love about it. I mean, it's just amazing. Beachbody On Demand gives you the ability to stream hundreds of workouts from programs all proven to deliver amazing results created by world-class super trainers, just like I was saying. Um, some of the some of them are like Pio, P90X, T25, 21-Day fix and insanity i've done p90x and insanity and i'm telling you those things will get you sweating and get you looking good it's accessible on your computer web enabled tv tablet smartphone and any other web enabled device i'm telling you it's just amazing they also do some really cool stuff like with fixate which is a shows you how to cook healthy delicious and simple recipes uh for your whole family so over a hundred recipe videos i'm telling you it is is amazing. So let me tell you what you guys should do. This is a brand new service, but it already has over a hundred, uh, over one million members. Let me say that again. Brand new service and has over a million members. So our listeners can claim a free trial membership. Uh, the Bad Christian listeners just text Bad Christian, all one word, no spaces, to three zero three zero three zero and get full access to this entire platform for free. Let me say that again. Bad Christian. All you got to do is text Bad Christian, all one word. Two three zero three zero three zero and get full access to the entire platform for free. Do it now. What are you waiting for? All right. So I, I actually have a hard time <laughs> with with just almost the general premise of being the that whole phrase being a good witness. Now, ma- multiply that by a hundred <laughs> when we start dealing with middle and high schoolers. And I know this isn't a very popular thing to say in the church context, but I don't want that burden to be on my middle school girl. She just she is she is in her first day of the sixth grade right now. I don't want it to be on her mind that she is everyone, all of her classmates. She's like the liaison between them and God, and that she has a job to do. Would it not make her relax to know that they're all feeling the exact same way? (laughs) That every every over evangelical coached Christian is like the people. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's like the people Uh, that that march on the street with the signs, and you try to tell them, "Yeah, I'm a Christian too." They don't believe you. And then they, right. they, you know what I mean? They, they don't believe, if somebody comes to your door to try and tell you about God and you tell them I'm already a believer, they don't buy that. Well, that's right. what, that's what, it, that's what you felt like in middle school. Like other people would have said, yeah, I'm a believer. And you're like, nope, I'm the only one. I've got to tell everybody the witness is on me. That's, that's bad. <laughs> that's is so that, true. is that not true? It is, man. And I just, it's, yeah. it's devastating though. Well, like, like I understand the whole being a light to your neighbors, being a light to the world. But I almost want to avoid even that verbiage in in general just because I think it is very crippling to kids, especially at that age, to feel like that responsibility. Do you think she feels that now? No. No. You don't think she feels that at all. So you So here's the thing is I have very intentionally, me and Priscilla, we've steered Rosa away from those sorts of impulses. Now, here's what's super interesting. A lot of people use youth group 
as something that can like, okay, well, as long as they're going to youth group, they're getting the word in, you know, they're hearing about Jesus, they're praying. I actually, when I think of youth group, I think about it as something that I need to make sure she's not messed up by. Now, here's here's one thing I'll say is, Toby, you and I both know Robbie, uh, who leads our youth and yeah. who Rosa has a great relationship with him. I trust him wholeheartedly. I, I think he's a, a great guy. He really has done a number for our student ministry. But there is this premise behind all student ministry, and it is steering them to get control of their lives right now, figure things out right now. You're never too young to serve God with all of your heart, and God can use you for amazing things. Now, no one in their right mind would condemn that as like very negative, unhealthy thoughts, but I think that we should be willing to do that. I definitely think we should be willing Willing to to say, no, that's, that's to basically call that stuff potentially unhealthy. At the very least, we have to go as far as we possibly can by saying, yes, if you want to be a light to the students, then just love them. Be kind. Um, you know, if, if, if they ask you deeper questions, fine, that's, that's okay. But you, the weight of the school is not on your shoulders. Yeah, I think that I think mm. people do that. I think people would say, Christians would say, uh, maybe even I would say, I, I understand the idea of not only because we tell our kids to treat each other nice and yeah, to sure. be gracious and all that stuff, and then I think uh, we I don't think we ever press. Hey, you need to talk about God. I think it kind of comes up naturally for them. I, I do. I'm I'm still concerned. Like it, our kids, it's the most impressionable. I don't know if that's true anymore. I think you might be impressionable in your entire life, but right now is an impressionable time still for a young kid, and they trust us. And I want to make sure I'm teaching them about God in a way that's historical and true to me and it not be pressed into them so that they can't escape from it. Because I, I, I felt like that for so long. I felt like God was just pushed into me and, and not because it was out of love. It wasn't because my grandfather or grandmother or parents or aunts and uncles, anybody was trying to be mean. They were. They definitely did it because they want me to have eternal life and go to heaven right. and all that stuff. But I feel like you're right. There is a pressure that starts getting involved where I I started thinking at a young age, well, I have to do this, this, and this, or I might go to hell, or my friends might go mm. to hell. Joel, you wrote a whole book uh, about it. Um, well, not the whole, the whole, there's a big section talking about that, or a large chunk of it is about just how you felt so obligated to proselytize people and they, they, their eternal damnation or, or saving their soul was on your shoulders. And, uh, and I just think, man, it's just, it's just too much. It, it, it's just, it's worrisome to me too. Like, I mean, what are we telling our kids that we are right and other people are wrong? Is that the, is that the foundation? Like I am right. You are wrong. And if you don't think this way, you will be tormented. Yeah. Like, I, is, that, is, that, the- is that the foundation? That's what it goes back to me. Uh, that's what it goes back to for me is if there is an eternal torture chamber, then I think maybe it's worth putting that on our kids to say, well, you know, I hate that you have to deal with this in middle school, <laughs> but I'm sorry, hell is real. And, you know, once these kids graduate from high school, there's no coming back. So, I mean, I would almost feel. Like maybe there is a little more sense of urgency, but let me tell you something that happened with my uh, nine-year-old. 
I mean, I, I have done everything I possibly could to be intentional with them not being fearful of religion, not being fearful of sin, not being fearful. I know that's a tricky one for a lot of people, not being fearful of sin, but not being fearful of God. She actually came up to me and very serious, in tears, said, Dad, sometimes I have a hard time believing in God. And, and what she means by that is, what are the repercussions for that? Because if I can't be sure that this God that we all talk about, this Jesus that we all talk about, this the one that we pray to, if I can't be sure that he's real, then I'm possibly in danger of what this hell that people are talking about. And I, there's just, there is no way that I could ever say that that's God's will for a nine-year-old to have to carry those sorts of thoughts. I just think she's she's too young to deal with that. I think that that's very sad. I mean, to me, that makes me sad hearing it. Tell me how you react to what I'm going to say, which is a different, uh, op- not opposite of that, but something different than that, which is she's hearing this from other places. I don't know exactly what those other places are, but I imagine just even the regular kids in Charleston Public School have that and groups in your church and church things, stuff like that. I don't think that Georgia will experience that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, you know I do I mean? think like, it's a. So, is, do you feel like that's dangerous on the other side? That unless I train her about God, she ain't gonna get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, is yeah, she in I more mean, danger, or is that okay? You know. Yeah, it's definitely a Bible Belt culture for sure, and I think you're very intuitive to say that just just kids in general. Um, now, I I would I would go so far as to say that the church that my wife and I work and and lead at I don't I I'm not there necessarily point by point with uh the mostly accepted theology which is neat because that I'm I'm not the only one there's a lot of people Seacoast attracts people that believe all sorts of different ways in Jesus but you know it's just like with uh with those sorts of things yeah I agree I think it comes from them now how I handled it I basically said Gwenny, do you do you want God? Like, do you if if there's a God, do you want to be with Him forever? And she's just like, yes, of course. I said, that's all you have to worry about. If you want God, He created you to be with Him. He created you in order to love you. And if you want God, you're fine. Like you you've basically chosen to be with God, and that's all you need to worry about. But I mean, that's that's if if I truly believe if I truly believed that the vast majority of people were going to hell forever, and it was up to us to yeah. figure out how for that not yeah. to happen. That's what you told I would have a different story. So A, part A of that is if you, if you want God, then that's fine. He'll work that out. You're all good. So, honey, you don't need to worry. Now, as far as for everybody else at your school, <laughs> it's up to you or they're fucked. Okay? So right. that's the part you need to worry about. You're yeah. good. <laughs> Everybody you I know mean, here's, is tortured unless you fix it. Have a good day at <laughs> school. We got peanut butter and jelly tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. Uh, here's the thing: like, isn't it more important to teach? Like, here is the most truth. The number one thing that I can say for sure is that I can be right or wrong on anything. There's not all, right. I, to me. There's nothing that I can't be wrong about. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I could easily, you know, be swayed that the Earth is flat or it is round <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm that. Uh, I'm just so whatever, and that that is across the board. So we need to teach people that hey, 
this is what we believe, but what if we could be wrong or what it might be? Like, I, I dislike the idea of, uh, that's what I don't want. I understand us saying, hey, there could be a hell and all this stuff, but wouldn't it be easier to just to teach about Jesus and, and like, if that allow the spirit, allow Jesus to reveal himself to them as opposed to, hey, and by the way, let me just, this little caveat here, you will be tormented forever. I think you would be. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the love of but Jesus, man. He's truth, amazing. How... He makes your life better. Little side thing here. If you don't believe this, you will be in fire and See, burn forever. But that the, makes no sense. No, it doesn't make sense. You can't, but... put, can't put those two together. The problem yeah, but if that's that is true, the way you, if again, that's the complete a... story, you have to. No, you don't, no, nobody no. believes that's the complete story. They don't. Yeah. Nobody believes that a child, before he hears about <laughs> Jesus, burns in hell. But he never heard about Jesus, and he I've, never had an opportunity had to talk about Jesus. I've had with you guys years Somebody ago, and you're that. just like, well, oh, you're right. <laughs> if they're predestined, no, they're there, predestined. There has been a time in my life, for sure, where I was like, you know what? God is all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants. And now I think way more, hey, why? what is all of this if it means God can't even convince you that you, you love him or he loves you like what i mean what is god if he if his biggest weakness is yeah you, I, don't, I just don't like you god I, i'll take the fire i mean <laughs> that's god's biggest weakness i mean he can't he, he loves unconditionally he'll do anything gives his own son it's just this chaotic you know uh uh scandalous grace and all this crazy stuff but he's completely not powerful enough to to show you golly that I, of course i choose god all right, let me ask you. Or he is, and then that, that makes sense. But now I'm sounding universalist and Rob Bellish, but it, it does seem weird that his big weakness is, uh-oh, I'm not quite strong and all-powerful enough to save you from hell. All right, let, well, me, let me ask let me ask created. All, let me ask all this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beg you to give me a number, a, a percent of the likelihood of this happening, but you guys probably won't appease me. But what do you think? And by the way, I'm actually going to do an interview with someone who I think is a super well-spoken universalist. And if it comes out good, we'll put it on Bad Christian. If not, we'll put it on the Hand Me Down podcast called and Pass it's With It's just no you, right? I mean, you're the <laughs> universalist. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's someone who really knows their stuff. Um, what do you think? You can is say the, who it is. You don't want to uh, pr- promote it a little bit. Oh no, no, no! He's uh, he's he's not a big name. He's a listener. I see. Um, oh, okay. So, what do you think? Don't listen. Is, then. <laughs> I, don't, some, I don't remember his last idiot. name. He's just some. some oh God! You don't remember his don't name. Care. Just being used. <laughs> he's just some listener. Yeah, just don't. I worry think his about name's him. West. Super knowledgeable. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> knows a ton of stuff. I don't care about his who, name. What's his name? Just whatever. You could have made up a name. I'd have made it up. Said, "Oh, sorry, I forgot." Oh, goodness. All right, so what do you think is the, the possibility, throw a number mm. on it percent-wise, that at the end of the world, and let's say there's a spiritual end where everyone sees reality for what it yeah. is, and uh, you know, I'm going to throw some neat little details. Jesus like walks out on like a Lion King sort of hill, and mm. all the animals and all the humans are saying, you know, the circle yeah. of life, and we're all, yeah, yeah. jumping up and Hallelujah. down and everything. And he basically says, listen, like, I, I love everyone. It was kind of frustrating, though, because I thought that it would have been clear that when I died and I said it is finished, what I meant by that is I've done what it takes to save everyone. And it seems like John, my, uh, one of my disciples in First John, even made that clear. He said that I died not only for your sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. So anyway, kind of sucked how you taught hell for centuries and centuries. But the good news is I died for everyone. 
it's time to party. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think is the possibility of that? Or even another scenario would be, uh, here's, here's one that I think is a huge possibility. Let's say Toby is not a Christian. He dies. He is before the throne of God. And God says, hey, man, I love you. I created you very special. Do you want to be with me? And there's no way Toby can say no. He's like, oh my gosh, yes. I, I, all I feel right now is goodness, love, acceptance. I do want to be with you. I'm so sorry. I, I, I repent for living a life of my own. He's like, no, 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 no. Every, everything is fine. You're with me. Like, what do you think are the chances of one of those scenarios? I mean, they certainly sound possible. I mean, I don't know how you would calculate the percentage chance of it, given the Give me a the number, details. Toby. Like, I would have said real high, except for that circle of life part and the weight. You know, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. You know. I think more likely Jesus shows up and he goes, he holds up the Bible and goes, who put this together? <laughs> what, what were y'all, this isn't what I did. Y'all went, what in the world? Nisi and Crete, what the hell is that? I didn't, what is this book of James? He thinks of it Revelation? Like, yeah, he thinks John of it like, peyote. like TMZ. He was on He's like, my peyote. gosh, they don't ever get the story right. All I wanted you to do was love each other. Remember when I said that? Love each other and treat your neighbor like yourself. That's I all I said. I haven't had that little SOB come up to me and say, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? Yeah, he said, I said, love Lord. God and love others. I said, y'all taking me My out of context. God. It's all about the context, man. Y'all took me out of context, he'll say. <laughs> I mean, it's just no, nobody. I mean, that's just it. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. The hell makes it seem like, to me, God has the biggest flaw ever. For example, right now, if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, I just want you to know, uh, if you say yes, I will end cancer. Would you say yes or no? You say like yes. right now, I, I, will, I will end child slavery. Would you say yes or no? You'd say yes. Okay, so what I'm saying is God can provide, if he is all good, then he could provide all of this potentially. And the idea would be that God is powerful enough to make you go, wait a minute, what a, man, the weaknesses I have have kept me from this, have, made me, have blinded me to, to good. I don't love my neighbor. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. care about it, all these things. That, I mean, that that's the thing. Like the the big. I don't even know how we got talking about hell. Good lord! But it just. I, it's just been. And here's the biggest thing about hell is my entire life. It has only been a scare tactic. That is it. I don't have much explanation for it. Nobody can really explain it to me in de- in detail. It gets. It's pretty fuzzy, even in the Bible. When is, is Jesus talking about Gehenna? Is he talking? I mean, people go well in Revelation. Jesus himself says, "Yeah," but I mean, that is this guy John writing about what his interpretation. And I mean, if somebody came up to me and said, "Yeah," I was, you know, what was he burned really badly, and he, you know, they sent him on Patmos or whatever, and he wrote this big book, I might, I'd, I'd be, I'd question a lot of it. I, I'd want to know a lot. Of stuff, and so all I'm saying is, it should be very normal and regular to question everything, to to see uh, things that don't make sense, infiltrate your life, and be good. Hope, joy, love, uh, giving, all the grace, all these things are feel spiritual to me. Mm-hmm. What, I, I love the idea of doing things that I that don't. These things don't come naturally to me, and when I'm able to do them, I get to see a glimpse of something that I I don't see in my normal life. That's why I, you yeah. know you know I always think about new uh, like the way to do church and all this stuff. And we came up with an idea a long time ago. Like I, I love the idea of a church that's just disciplined. Like you don't like I don't even get to go to it until they uh, a certain amount of different cultures are in the church. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like there it, there has to be a bunch of different 
uh, races and cultures and all kinds of stuff. Or I don't even Toby Morell's and his family doesn't even get to come because uh, it's just too easy to have church. Exactly, it looks like me. Almost every yep. church I ever go to, and that's my fault. And nothing challenges me, and it's easy. And they have the good kid program and all this stuff. Like the same thing. Like I just, I, I really want to go to a church that makes you do things that are uncomfortable and you don't like, and it it moves you and changes you and goes, well, gosh, I don't want to do this, but here we go. Like I, I just don't like the idea that the things that I don't like about church are just silly and boring and, and have to do with the the business of it like mm-hmm. i don't like when i go to church and the back seats are roped off so it looks more full to the camera <laughs> like that what in the hell is that what in the hell is that that's not i mean what if i want to sit in the back and relax and what if i'm not a people person what or or you're doing that so we do sit together and i feel uncomfortable and it's good to be beside each other but that's not the truth the truth is it looks more full and it's easier hey. you don't want people in the back it's actually it's actually church practice. If you're going to have more seats than you need or less seats than you need, you always set up less seats because adding more uh, chairs in the middle of whatever's going yeah. on kind of energizes people like, oh, yeah. God, hell yeah. So here, here's what I want to say to my fellow brothers and sisters who still claim me as your brother in Christ. If hell exists, and I knew that for certain, I would still serve Jesus. I don't feel like I have a choice. I feel like he's he's the way, he's the truth. He is God, this God of the Bible that we've learned about through the Bible and through personal experience, I believe in. And for me to also say, I don't think I really believe in hell, that should not write me off. Like I, I just got through saying I believe in God and I would believe still in God. I'd put my faith in him if I truly believed in hell. Right now, I just don't mm-hmm. think that place of fiery torment that torment that I was brought up to believe, right now, I don't really mm-hmm. think that it's real. That should not make me a heretic. That should not be something that gets me cast out of, of community. We all believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, How we, about this? I'm going to tell you right now the dirty little secret of Christianity. Not one of us believes in hell. It's <laughs> real. And here's how you know this. Here's how you know this. Because you each keep sinning. How many lustful masturbators didn't cut off their hand so that they it'd be better to enter into heaven with one hand than to to hell with the other? Do you think how many how how many people the people with the signs Westboro? You don't think they're even true believers in hell? No, I don't. I I I really don't because in their own life they sin. (laughs) What what? Okay, how about this? Any? Yeah, but we believe in the gospel, right? How about this? Any uh, crime that you commit on earth, you immediately are killed if you're found out. Do you commit the crimes? No. How many of us don't some commit would. big? No, yeah, yeah. There's there's probably some people that would in their uh, craziness or whatever. You, you're right, but I'm saying majority. How how many people do you think if you said right now, if you ever steal a grape from a grocery store and take a bite of it, which I did at Walmart the other day, I grabbed a grape and I ate it. Um, you die immediately if you if the camera catches you, you will die. Do you think anybody would do that? No. So any crime you immediately right now wouldn't just to save your own life. I mean, what nobody really thinks that it's gonna something real, that they're that bad 
or that they deserve hell. That maybe that's the better way to word it. Nobody here on earth thinks right. they deserve nobody, hell. Nobody, nobody, atheist, right. even atheist. Oh, Ma- now you, you're right saying say, if there is a hell, you think somebody else does. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, you think yes, somebody okay. else does for sure. Oh man, Saddam Hussein. Oh okay. man, he's in hell. Yeah, yeah. Hitler, he's in hell. Not me. No, yeah. I, I didn't. Do, I didn't do, do that stuff. And and Hitler didn't think he deserved hell. That's Saddam right. Hussein didn't. Nobody. I don't right. care how bad you are. Yeah. Worst child molester on earth doesn't think he deserves hell. And so that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's. I mean, it's terrorists. They think they're going to get a bunch it's of It's only a prescription <laughs> to control you for other people. It doesn't it doesn't even do anything to you. Perry Noble, the guy we started talking about, he hid all kinds of stuff and wasn't and he was a pastor preaching the word, reading the word every week, all this stuff because he didn't deserve. You know, he probably didn't think, "Oh, well, I'm doing it. he he thought in his mind, I'm drinking too much or whatever because I'm trying to handle this huge thing that God's put on my shoulders or whatever. I I don't know his exact he might explain it differently than that. But I'm just saying he didn't think what he was doing was horrific or terrible or bad. Probably didn't even think it was worth getting fired for. Well, I'm going to have to be honest. I have been 100% checked out of this conversation since we left how fucking stupid school is. I've still been fit. <laughs> so I'm going to tie it back there uh, and say that there's something... There's the, the thing that I think is happening that's really weird or interesting is the uh, when you talk about teaching your kids about Jesus, we're, I'm still thinking about the notion of teaching and how it's just flawed. It just sounds so good, but it's a, it's a flawed thing. Sure. You're, everything your kids know for real that actually impacts them is not something you tell them or something they learn at church by the words. Those are the things that actually kind of do harm. That's you trying to like control somebody by telling them or threatening or testing. None of those things are really how your kids even learn. Um, and it's not how you learn about God, really. Like your experiences with God are more informed. The reason you believe isn't because your dad told you 900 times. It's because you've felt it or you've experienced it or you've experienced. That's the same thing. That's the same thing I'm talking yeah. about. Experience is a better way to learn than being told or controlled. And so you know that your kids will turn out like you because of how you've modeled to them, not because of what you told them to do and not do and what would happen if they don't do what you're telling them to do. That's not how your kids turn out to be who they are. They turn out to be who they are based on who you are. And so is that not true? Your kids are most guided by your actions modeling than they are and their experiences and what happens to them than the items that you instructed them to do. They don't fucking listen to that. Nobody does. Nobody does. Unless you're absolutely forced to or scared into it. And that's never, it's it's borderline abusive. I mean, like, it can be abusive to, to, you have to put in the consequences. Like, you will be sent home. You will get a referral. You'll be suspended. You will go to hell. You will not, you know... All these bad things will happen if you don't do what I say. But clearly, we know people are more moved and led and shaped by what they experience and what they see and who they're around and what their daddy does and what other Christians do and the people that that they are in community with. That's how you influence a person, not by what you tell them they must do or learn or obey. That's nonsense. It's just control. I agree with and that And it's masked as teaching most of the time. So Perry Noble and everybody else thinks, I must teach. Not don't do as I do, do as I say. I'm here to say yep. things to you. That ain't how people learn. That's just almost everything I know didn't come from somebody teaching me it. Like even if, even if you just wanted, I mean, I'm back to the practical example of actual education. I have a shitload of skills from audio this to music this to Technology, everything I know about technology, I'm not saying I know everything in the world, but I, I'm pretty good at many, many things, construction, technology, music, 
all these things. I never take a class on any of this. Well, I have taken some classes on some of the stuff. But I didn't learn anything. I learned everything I learned because I learned it, because I did it. And because I'm around other people doing it. And because we just do stuff and you learn stuff. And that should be the same with your faith, too. Or you threaten hell and punishment and tell people that this is the person that tells you what you're supposed to do. Don't worry about what they do. What they do. But, and how else are you going to teach 1,000 people at a time or 10,000 at a time? How else are you going to do it? Other than set up yeah. authority, set up consequences, set up a system, and coax people into conforming with, I mean, how are you not going to use fear to do that? Right. How, how fear works, that? though. That's, that, that's the thing. It's always worked. It makes me realize it that works, we're doing but it. at what cost? Yeah. I mean, it well, works. we're doing it wrong as parents. That's what I'm going to yeah. try tonight. I'm going to tell my kids, hey, listen, I love you. But if you don't listen, I'm gonna burn your feet. <laughs> right. Well, that I'm light mean, your feet on fire. Well, but you do a tame. I love you so much. But just so you know, I'm gonna lot, set your feet on fire. <laughs> but I love you. But the tamer, love you, the but tamer your feet version of fire. that is what you do. I mean, you do threaten your. I mean, I do too. I'm just saying, you don't know what else to do. You know that you need to control this freaking kid, so you better scare him. Some. I mean, you you just have to. I'm you threaten saying, them out of your weakness, though. You threaten them out of right. your weakness. That's right. And, and if God isn't weak, then He doesn't have to threaten you at all with hell. Yeah. Because He wouldn't have any weakness yes so, i love uh, you i love you son dad why why are you pouring gasoline on me because yeah, i'm about to ask you, you a question yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and depending you on your right, answer right, yeah. you now, i'm not messages. even trying to attack hell in that way i'm just saying in general even if you wanted to get your kids to not go to hell and to get other kids not to go to hell i would just argue that i take another one i tell you what you don't have to be taught is to love clemson tigers did anybody have to teach you that with teaching nope. or fear Oh, or anything that like way. that, you just yeah, baby, I was I'm born part of the way. elect, baby. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> uh, but no, I'm saying there's plenty of things that you care a ton about. But a lot of people are patriotic. They didn't get tested or taught that. They just are. They're in it. Their right. parents loved it. They love Clemson Tigers. You like this. You like guns or you hate guns. You like recycling or you don't like recycling. Whatever those things are, you didn't really get taught it and you didn't get threatened by it. You've adopted it as the modeling of the stuff that you've seen and experienced positively in your community. Right. And that that's why that's how that's why I like the Clemson Tigers. It was just all good and it was I saw adult people and other kids enjoying this thing in a truthful way that was very honest and it seemed fun and I liked it and it I experientially it was good to me and I experienced the Clemson Tigers and watching football and yelling and celebrating and those things and that's what I mean I would assume that's what being a Christian should be like too it shouldn't be you shouldn't have to isn't that a mark of the things that you should be worried about like oh but he's such a nice guy or he's such a good like when you're talking about Perry Noble I hear you saying he's such yeah. a good talker he's got the methods down perfectly he's got all this persuasion down he's uh, he seems so nice it's so good all those things might should be almost a red flag because if it was just good it'd just be good right you know what yeah. I mean does it, does it yeah. need like the people that are the most persuasive are they the most honest right are the no. people like why, why, no it, way? It's probably yeah. actually the opposite of that. So opposite. Perry, right. it, the Perry Noble being as charismatic as he is, <laughs> might be might be a reason he needs to be that. Not right. It's not like you wouldn't take. Oh, he make he convinces me. Whatever he convinces me of, whenever he talks, I'm always convinced. Yikes! How about yikes on that? Yeah, as it's a, crazy <laughs> because because of the system that Perry Noble is in. I probably would not have even recommended for him to just come right out and say, yeah, I'm going to tell you guys on the Bad Christian Podcast, first and foremost, I have a problem with drinking and for it to be exposed like that because of the system that he works in. But how ironic is it 
that one of the things that I hear about Perry Noble or one of the things that I heard about Perry Noble, all the people that just love Perry Noble and I go to New Spring, I love Perry Noble is he, I mean, that's one guy that keeps it real. I mean, that's one guy that's that, nonsense, that course, is open yeah. about his struggles and everything. And to me, that's not as much of a poor reflection on Perry Noble as it is the system that we, no, yeah. that we put and him And Perry's in. specific I mean, skill, he's an absolute ace at making it appear that he's keeping it real. That's a skill. Right. It's not a. Re- it's right. not that he's so real, please. That's, I mean, it's right. demonstrably false based on our yes. podcast alone. Yes, so, and we should be okay with saying yes. that, that he, he's an he, ace at, he does at appearing real. real. But he's the better than right. everybody else at appearing to do so. Right. Okay. And 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 for people that say, well, I mean, everybody needs like a, a closer group of people to share those sorts of things with. I mean, my response to that would be that if if you are going to utilize a humongous, call it a platform and speak to hundreds of thousands of people on a weekly basis through podcasts and through your own stage at NewSpring, then I think there also has to be an extra level of transparency. Now, sure, maybe it's a little bit different when you're talking to the masses. I think preferably it shouldn't be any different at all, but you got to stretch yourself to be a little more open with your struggles. And I mean, I even think, I mean, there was, there was a guy that actually had uh, a, a case of, a case, a case of infidelity with his wife. And I was at a conference where they were talking about him and they, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even use the word adultery. I mean, they wouldn't use right. uh, marital unfaithfulness. It was just like, we, we all knew, but when they were talking about him and how he has come back and is a redeeming story, they wouldn't even say adultery. I mean, don't y'all think that's a problem not to even be able to address exactly what it is? Yeah. And what do y'all feel about someone saying, well, that's nobody else's business? Well, it's just, I mean, you know, obviously from the types of comments I'm making today, they're, they're my feelings. And they're, I understand people think they're exaggerated, but I'm not really in the mode of criticizing this tactic or that tactic or this person's this or that. And they should have tried to lead and control people in a different way. I'm, I'm just in a personal place of questioning or attacking, yeah. or whatever you want to say, the larger systems as a whole, like the, pr- the underlying premises of how we think about them is the work I'm trying to do for myself. And if everybody else yeah. wants to take a ride on that, feel free. If it makes you uncomfortable, fine. If you think I'm just stupid, fine. I'm just saying the underlying premises that we're accepting and bringing to this, like Toby said, like, you do I just walk up to this thinking they knew, when did I ever think they actually knew what they were doing in the first place? Or it would be good. Right. Or is it's not based in fear? Like, can, can we at least? I mean, maybe we have to go all the way back to wait a second. The whole daggum thing is based in fear, and it might be counterproductive or less than optimized. Like I said, church good, education real good, but also gone way off and real outdated. I mean, maybe it's that. So how far back do you have to go to untangle it? Is it? Are we? I mean, I mean you can't just tit for tat say, well, but they got another shipment of iPads over at the school, so we're good now. Or this this. One preacher did this one thing different as far as how he roped off the chairs, and it's really, I think we're really headed right. for some change here. We're I mean, really yeah. doing that. Right. No, and, and I'll say this last thing about Perry Noble as well is just that I think now with the second hand, second hand, second chance church, I think he is trying to say things that have happened in his life. Like I think he uh, said that he was like sexually molested when he was young. He's admitting to drinking and having tough t- this, this, and that. But it seems once again that it is he receiving healing from that i don't under i don't know like is he saying this is what calls it sounds like he's 
blaming those things or using those things to say using this is, is why a good he did. And so, yeah, using those things to say why not making them up that it affected it. No, using. no, not making it up. And of course, those things would affect you, yeah. right? It would it would hit you. But my I, what I would add into addition to that maybe really bad too is the pulpit. Yeah, maybe maybe Harmful, the church right, and preaching right. and, and mega church and all stuff is, bad is just for him. Is, is potentially bad for you. Yeah. And harmful to you. And if it's not, let's just take some time to see. And then right. we'll know, and then everybody will feel good. And I think, that's what I'm saying. I think Mark Driscoll and Perry Noble yeah. could easily come back and be two of the most influential pastors I've ever known in my or life. Or they shouldn't. I'm saying people, Christians love the or idea. Or they shouldn't. But you have to tell right. gay people the truth in love. Well, the truth in love for Driscoll and Perry Noble it seems clear to me. Those positions of power are harmful to you. And I'm telling you yes. in love, this is harmful to you. And I really believe that. And I wish other people would believe that and know it and tell them. Great point. The fact that you're able to track numbers does not confirm that this is good for you. You. Right. Now, I don't know about them. That's a, I have it thoughts about them. Mark? Perry, listen to me. I don't think this is good for you. I don't think it is. I don't think the numbers verify that this is what you should be doing. Sorry. Yeah. Truth and love, well, sim- tough truth, whatever. Yeah. You are better off to not be doing this. And I would yeah. even throw in a name there too, Joey Svensson. And Pastor Joey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Pastor Joey Svensson. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, these people, similar to these big churches like Elevation, we have uh, we have folks sign a waiver before being involved in the BC Club. So these folks, if they ever step out of the BC Club, there are some very specific things that they can and can't come clean with. Um, so we thank you for signing those papers. Uh, we will sue if you tell people some mm-hmm. of the things that are said on our Facebook club page. But we want to thank you, uh, Joram Lathrop, Luke Schumacher, Mark Lefholz. I I really cannot believe all the crazy names that joined the BC Club. (laughs) Bo Spencer. Oh, thank the Lord. Josh McCann. Oh, praise him. Derek Dill. Hell yeah. Rose Whalen. Darren Finch. Casey Hirschberger. (laughs) <laughs> Hirschberger. <laughs> it's like part candy bar, part sandwich. And wow. then Rachel Jones. We love you guys for going to thebcclub.com. And uh, yeah, it's it's neat to see a community growing. I love it. Joining our community where we keep it real, where Toby keeps a tally of how many times he got drunk and how much porn he looked at. But you have to be in the club to see that tally. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, this is, yeah. we don't want to cause people to stumble, so we don't say that yeah, shit. I have one of those days without incident. <laughs> <laughs> days since last incident. Toby walks in the morning, pulls it off, zero. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Zero. Hey, there, <laughs> there was a pretty cool conversation on the BC Club Facebook page recently on Brittany's husband and whether or not not he forwent uh, masturbation for seven years. Do y'all agree or disagree? Well, y'all think that, he did? that whole thing is just so funny to me because I, uh, when we did that episode, Joey talked to Brittany, and I thought it was a in- really interesting, engaging thing. I sent it to Candace to listen to before we taped, and she immediately wrote back, seven years, ha, 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 whatever. I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. And then I've ne- I, the whole episode, I haven't seen any dialogue about anything in the episode in any way that wasn't simply referencing the claim that her seven. husband hadn't masturbated or something in seven years. That's, that's, that's so true. It could have been a 19-second episode, and it would have still been, had every bout as down, yeah. it wouldn't matter. That's all. There was nothing else there. There was that, and that's that. I mean, <laughs> nothing, like, no more nuanced point, no nothing. Just right. somebody said something crazy. 
and somebody else believed it, and everybody wants to argue whether it's true or not, and that's it. I mean, that's sad that that's what, what, the way it is, but I thought that was No, you're exactly funny. right. I mean, it, it, we, Joey interviewed somebody that was a porn star and used drugs and was had a horrific life, she said, and all that stuff, and was redeemed through that, and by her love of Jesus, all anybody heard was... Your husband didn't masturbate. What, for no, seven no, years? no. I'm sorry. And, and one of the no, the funnier part of it was the the actual. I, I, to me, what stood out more than th- that specific claim was just he can't lust anymore. <laughs> he, it said that. Yeah, that was, I believe that's a direct quote. He can't even lust anymore. <laughs> wow. I think, I think is that not in there? That I, I'm I think not that's sure, funny but. Too, but. It, Here's uh, someone pointed out in the on the club page, and I thought it was brilliant. I really, I, the three of us uh, like Brittany a lot, but I I do think there is something said to two drastically extreme different worlds clashing. I mean, the background that she came from, and then the background that he po- probably came from. I I think there could be a lot of gray in both of their heads as far as like tempering trying to live for the Lord and yet failing as well, just given their extreme mm-hmm. backgrounds. Because I don't think that she's insinc- insincere, but, and uh, if you're listening to this, Brittany, you'll just you know have to forgive because this sounds really arrogant. But I would even imagine she is in a very excited, uh, joyful place in her Christian walk to where maybe there's even a healthy level of naivety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm not. I got no problems with her or nothing like that. Uh, it, but it's. In, I mean, you have to. It's you have to engage with it. I mean, as, there's a chance he wasn't lying. What if he's not lying? What no, if he yeah, just maybe didn't not masturbate for seven years? I mean, it, like it, it's oh, funny yeah. how I'm sure how, people how, have done that. I like I'm, people get mad true. about it. Like people are mad. Like <laughs> no, yes, which no, show, I know you whacked it. Right, and that shows insecurity on, on their part. I would say. I mean, I, everybody's I, whacking it. No, well, no, for sure. There's people who haven't masturbated in seven years. Of course, that's possible. I mean, here, here's he may, the thing, he though. It, that. I'm just saying, people's reaction to it of certain that that's a lie is born out of two things. One, their own insecurity that they could. How many people last were and, whacking it listening to the episode? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the other reason people want to deny that is, is, is I think they feel an element of. Is he deceiving her or something like that? Like that's the part that might that. freak people out a little bit. But I think a lot of it's just born out of like, I couldn't do that. He can't do that. There's no way. Or well, he, like that. And, and and I think uh, I understand. Let's let's just uh, let's just say she's that's what she truly believes, or maybe it's even true. I understand bringing that up, but let's look at a little bit of a problem just given that that's something that's on the forefront of the conversation. Well, what well, look I at, yeah. look at what my husband was able to do. Yeah. I understand testimonies. I get it. I get where she was coming from, but let's also look at the other potential side of where that came from. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the only thing that I, the, the only thing that rubs me wrong, cause I, I really, I, I think I know people that have done seven years or multiple years or at least, you know, double digit months. I mean, I, I've done, I've had some long spells before, but um, Toby hasn't even done an hour. Right? No, he's no, no. zero. But, See, uh, I'm the opposite. I do seven minutes in heaven just a, <laughs> solo. <laughs> but I'm saying that the other, the thing that rubs me a little on it is just that his position of leadership, and then like when you start using a claim like that, and you're in the pulpit or you're a leader, you obviously have turned some corner where you're using that because you think it's again beneficial or. You, it's for other people, like as opposed to just this thing that you've been able to accomplish and praise God for it. Now you're using it over with 
or to other people and it benefits you to say that and you think it benefits them and now you've created this weird pressure like now how do you deal with it if you don't and it, you know is there's a lot of enticement to there's a lot of reasoning to why you should fudge that a little bit like it's easy to say ends justify the mean once you get into that loop of like well now i'm the guy who hasn't masturbated in seven years now do you have to be or do you have to pretend like you are if you're not how are you going to deal with all these things that the motivation is always going to be to you benefit greatly by looking good and you and you get to dismiss it and say but because it's good for other people yeah yeah it makes me look good but it's not because of that. It's because I get to help people this way. So the better I look, the more people I'm helping. That's a dangerous trap. I don't like. That's what I don't like about it. For Wait, any, just any. got a text from Brittany. She said we misunderstood. He definitely didn't masturbate for seven years, but he murdered constantly. Yeah, there's a lot of murders. <laughs> so he's not that there. good of a guy. He just he did tons of murders. Yes. <laughs> I, I, he didn't know. He just thought, yeah, I didn't masturbate, but yeah, I did. I did murdering, <laughs> like unreal. I, hey, all of us have you guys our. Gotta have an outlet. I mean, Mine's murder. <laughs> There's Mine's grace murder. For, there's grace for that. Yours is masturbation, mine's murder. <laughs> or he didn't masturbate for 7 years, he just slept with women for 7. Yeah. Years. No. I, I, I just yeah, never did self masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. I, I see how you misunderstood. <laughs> this oh, is <laughs> should have worded this is, that a little different. I'm really sorry about that. I didn't know you meant. I I see how you could have technically. I see, Brittany, how you could have maybe misunderstood. This is when this is precisely when I come to grips Lord, with just us. how horrible the people us. we are. God, like, we Jesus, are forgive assholes. Us. We're on top of the asshole list. We just list. proved that there's a hell, and we're headed there for sure. <laughs> Good God, Lord, the dude, the dude did good, and we're all just can't believe it. It's funny how much you'll believe. It's funny how much you will believe, but a guy says he didn't masturbate for seven years. You go, fuck no, fuck no, damn you, you're a fucking liar, motherfucker. He can say anything else, and everybody's like, hey, that, that guy's a pretty good dude. He didn't, you didn't Virgin. masturbate, you motherfucking liar. Like how red Virgin Toby birth, is right now. death, and resurrection. Do that again. Yeah. And if anybody's watching the video, do it again. Look how red Toby's face. He's red already, and his camera makes it look red. But when he gets mad, or you can pretend mad, it, it, it gets a lot of shades redder. No, don't manipulate it, Toby. Just do it for real. Yell again. Okay, here we go. Just yell. Hey, I really like this. Well, you motherfucker! <laughs> you a liar! You masturbate! It gets so red instantly. Just making that face turns your face I get red it from my in dad. less than a second. My dad used to have a giant vein and a red face <laughs> on his forehead. And it, I mean, it was unbelievable. It's so scary. So, anyway, <laughs> all, right. all right, we're out of here. Bad Christian Podcast. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.